0: Good morning, everyone. I think I'm live. Hope you can all hear me. Hello, Lionel. Hello, Carly. Hello, Harry. Uh, Hello, all of you who are there. Lovely to see you. We are going to talk about a topic that you think you know the answer to, but sometimes we learn that we don't know the answer to everything. I think we've all learned that quite a lot over these past few weeks. Uh, It's a very simple question. When is Shavuos? So we very handily have here a calendar that's sent out by the Chaver of all people, here in Los Angeles, to tell us the dates of all the different festivals um, in the Jewish calendar. And so we're looking here at the month of, uh, in the month of May, uh, we have Shavuos. The first day of Shavuos is the 29th of May. The second day of Shavuos is the 30th of May to Shabbos. And if we look at the Jewish date, it's the 6th and 7th of Sivan. Here you go, you can just look at the calendar, we'll know exactly when the date is. So why is the date of Shavuot the 6th and 7th of Sivan? Don't give me the answer that you know that that's the date because it says it in the calendar. That's not the correct answer, there has to be a correct answer. When is the date of any festival in the Jewish calendar determined? It is determined by a posuk in the Torah. That's how we know when the festivals are. So when is Pesach? So we know that Pesach, we Shech the Korban Pesach on the 14th. And then on the 15th of Nisan for seven days is Pesach. The first day is a Yom Tov and the last day is a Yom Tov. When is Rosh Hashanah? The first day of the seventh month of Tishri. When is Yom Kippur? On the eve of the ninth day of the month. And the tenth of the month is Yom Kippur. When is Sukkot? 15th of Tishrei, when is Shmini Atzeres, so it's after Sukkus. the uh, Sukkot runs for 7 days and on the 8th day, after the 15th, is, is Shmini Atzeres. When is Shavuos? You know, I, I know you don't have a Chumish in front of you, but if you flick through your Chumish, you're going to look very carefully to discover what the date of Shavuos is. You'll discover that there is no date for Shavuos in the Torah. Ah, it doesn't matter. We don't need a date. We know when Shavuos is. How do we know? Because we have a countdown. Today, for example, is the 13th day of the counting of the Omer. And we're counting down towards Shavuos. So even if we don't know the exact date because it doesn't say exactly in the Torah when Shavuos is, we know when it is because we start counting the Omer on the first day after the first day of Pesach, which is the second day of of Pesach, it's the first day of Cholomoyed, we start counting Sefirah HaOmer, for us living in Chutz Laaretz, that would be on the second night of Seder, we start counting 49 days, and on the 50th day is Shavuos, which means that Shavuos always has to come out on the same day. Not quite true. Uh, if, you're, if you're a bit of a, a calendar geek, you'll know that that's not the case, because how many days are there in a Jewish month, 29 or 30 so you can count actually all the days 49 days and the 50th day may not necessarily be the same day every year because some days nissan may be 29 days and sometimes it sometimes it may be 30 days some years uh the month of Iyar would be 29 days and some days some years it would be 30 days so what day is Shavuot? very confusing isn't it we don't know exactly when Shavuos is. But what are you talking about? Of course I know when Shavuos is. It says it in my Hevra Kaddisha calendar. It's on the 6th and 7th of Sivan. I need to know when I'm going to eat cheesecake. It's very important. I can't eat cheesecake on the wrong day. So when is Shavuos? That's what this uh, today's shir is going to be about. How do we determine Shavuos? And why isn't there a date given in the Torah for the festival of Shavuos? Okay, so we know that the three main festivals. I'm going to leave Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur out of this year, just, uh, and you'll understand why during the course of this year. Because the three central festivals of the Jewish calendar year are Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. What are they called? Sholosh Regalim. Why are they called Shalosh Regalim? Three feet. Why are they called three feet? doesn't mean it's a yard. What is three feet? It means that those were the festivals where it didn't matter where you lived. You had to travel by foot to come to Yerushalayim, to the holy city and to bring a Korban Chagiga on Temple Mount. So it was called Sholei Rigolim. They are the three feet, as it were, of the year. You know, many years ago, I went to a dairy farm. And they told me something very interesting. I'm sure that nobody who was with me on that trip remembers this, but it's a very important piece of information. A milking stool has three legs, three feet. Why? Because if it has four and one of the feet is not quite the same length as another one, then it rocks. But something which has three feet, three legs is always going to be steady. Two is not enough. Four is too many. The Jewish year is kept steady because it has three legs, like a milking stool. That's what I thought then and what I'm telling you now. That we have this steadiness in our calendar because we have Pesach, we have Shavuos and we have Sukkot. The Shalosh Regalim, the three legs of our year, are these three festivals. Now I mentioned several times in the Torah. And uh, as I've already mentioned, Pesach and Sukkot are different from Shavuos because they're given a specified starting date that's not contingent on any other date. In other words, Shavuos is the only one of the three uh, of the three festivals which is not date-specific, but it's also not freestanding. What do I mean by that? The dating of Shavuos is based upon, as I've said, the counting of Zephiras HaOmer, which begins, so we're told, in Vayikra, I'm going to open my Chumish here, the Chumish, in Vayikra, Perik Chov Gimel, discusses exactly when the festivals should be, and the posuk says um, that it should be, I'm going to read you the exact posuk, it says... You should start counting the Omer from the day after and the word that's used is Shabbos. We're going to get back to that. From the day that you bring the waving Omer. There should be seven um, complete weeks. And then afterwards until the end of the, this period of time, the day after the seventh Shabbos, there's now 50 full days. The and then you bring another carbon Omer. Which is, I'm not going to give a share about carbon Omer. It's interesting in and of itself barley, wheat. But these were the two carbonus that were brought at the time of Pesach. One was brought on the second day of Pesach. One was brought on Shavuos, And they are called carbon Omer. The interim period, the period that came in between, was exactly seven weeks. So, I have to tell you. That this, if you want to find... You know, I love polemics. I love religious disputes and religious debates. If you want to find the most ancient of all the religious debates and discussions, in our faith, it is a discussion about the date of Shavuos. Listen carefully. The Gemara in Menachas, the Gemara in Dav daf Samechei Omad Aleph, reports that there was a massive fight between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, or as they're known in Talmudic literature, the Tzidukim and the Perushim. How do you interpret the phrase "mi'macharas HaShabbos? Now the Tzedukim believed it meant "mi'macharas HaShabbos. How would you translate it? You translate it as the day after Shabbos. When is Shabbos? You don't have to look at your Hebrew Kaddisha calendar for this one. When is Shabbos? Saturday, right? Saturday is Shabbos, so Mimachras HaShabbos is Sunday. Now, if Mimachras HaShabbos is Sunday, what happens if, like this year, the um, uh, Pesach starts on, uh, on Tuesday night? So what's the first day of Pesach? Wednesday. Sorry, it, it started Wednesday night. What's the first day of Pesach? Thursday. Thursday, Friday... Shabbos, when did we start counting Sfirah Omer? We're going to get back to that in a minute. We started counting it on Thursday night. Why? Because that was the uh, f- second day, beginning the second day of Pesach. When would the Tzidukim count it? They would count Sfirah HaOmer, they would begin counting it on Saturday night, two days after the Pirushim. Why? Because they said that when is Mimakarsa Arta Shabbos? The first Sunday in Pesach, every Pesach always has a Sunday. Doesn't matter what day of the week it starts, there will always be a Sunday. That being the case, Mimachras HaShabbos on Pesach is the first day of Svirasa Omer. So when would they celebrate Shavuos? Very easy to work out. If you're a Tziduki, it would be very easy to work out when Shavuos was. Why? It's always on a Sunday. It's Mimachras HaShabbos HaShaviyos. The, after seven full weeks of counting, 49 days, because you started counting on a Sunday, that means you end on a Saturday, on the 50th day, which is M'tsoi Shabbos, you've got Shavuos. So when would Shavuos be? I got. I better check my... my I have to say, I don't have a Tzeduki calendar here, but if I'd have a Tzeduki calendar, in fact, what you discover was that Shavuos, according to the Tzedukim, wouldn't be the 29th and 30th of May. The Tzedukim would celebrate... On the, um, They would celebrate on the 31st of May, on the 8th of Silvan. That's when this year would be Shavuos for Tzidukim. Why? Because they were literal in their interpretation of the Torah. What does it say in the Torah? Mimacharas The day after Shabbos. So how did the Pirushim get out of that one? So there's many different... Um, variations between the Sadducee interpretation of the Torah and the Pharisee interpretation of the Torah. Many different interpretations. This is the most famous of all of them. This is, if you wanted to have the paradigm of the disputes, of the debate between Tzedukim and Perushim, Mimachras HaShabbos is that paradigm. Why? Because here you have a perfect example where they the Tzidukim could say, what are you talking about? The fact that you celebrate Shavuos on a different day than us means you're reinterpreting the Torah. Rabbinic interpretation is something that is against what the Torah says and therefore we're right and you're wrong. But the Pirushim had a totally different tradition. What was their tradition? It has to be the second day of Pesach. That's when you begin Safir As HaOmer um, and it's referred to and this is what's so interesting, that according to the Pirushim, even though it's Yom Tov, it's referred to, the first day of Pesach, it's referred to as Shabbos, and therefore Mimacharas HaShabbos is the second day of Pesach. So, what we certainly know, and I'm going to go into this in much greater detail, but what we certainly know is that the date of Shavuos is not a date, it's contingent on Pesach. Now, it's always more or less going to be the same day that we start uh, Shavuos, based on the calendar months, one can assume, but it's very different if you're a Tzeduki or if you're a Pirushi. If you're a Tzeduki, then it's going to be 50 days after the first Sunday, and if you're a Pirushi, if you're a Pharisee, it's going to be 50 days after the second day of Pesach. So now, we are followers of Pharisaic tradition. We are Rabbinic Jews. The Talmud is based on the interpretation of the Torah of the Pirushim, a very ancient interpretation. Josephus says... Um, and I, I'm not quoting Josephus because I continue to con, consider him to be a representative of Chazal, but it is interesting, he was an apologist for the Jews, to the Romans, and he makes very clear that the Pharisee interpretation of the Torah is one that had its origins in ancient Jewish tradition, almost implying that the Sadducee version was a modern reform version of Judaism, at least for his day. And we maintain that despite the ambiguity of the phrase Mimachras HaShabbos, that we have this long-standing ancient tradition that goes back all the way to Har Sinai, to Mount Sinai. And of course, Shabuz we're celebrating the anniversary of the revelation at Sinai. That this phrase means, Mimachras HaShabbos means, the first Mimachras HaShabbos means the second day of Pesach. And we understand that the tzidukim were literalists, so they, they disagreed with that, what they considered, not ancient interpretation, but later um, interpretation. And they said, no, mimochras Hashabbos has to mean Sunday. I have a very important question for you. So we're, we're struggling a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to put a gloss on it. But we're struggling to understand what mimochras Hashabbos means. What does it mean? So I've just told you it means the day after the first day of Pesach. What would you have used if you, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that you are of of this caliber, but what phrase would you have used if you wanted to tell people, in many years, that the first day of Sfirah Sa'omer is the second day of Pesach? You would have said something like, Yom Sheyni Lachag," right? That's what you might have said. Or if you wanted to use the word Mimacharas, because somehow the word Mimacharas is important, That's what you would have said. What phrase does the Torah use? I want to ask you a question. Why create complications? Isn't our life as Jews complicated enough that we don't need to add extra layers of complication? Why introduce a phrase into the Torah that is so ambiguous? it makes no sense don't say me mocrasa so that the tzedukim can make fun of us and change the calendar the jewish calendar use the phrase use a phrase which makes sense and that they that the tzedukim could never misinterpret or reinterpret so that they change the calendar of the jewish festival year so my first question for this year is if it's true, as we believe, that the phrase mimochras HaShabbos means the second day of Pesach, why use a phrase that is so ambiguous, used by Yomasheni, use a phrase that makes sense. And this is going to be the first of several very important questions that we're going to deal with about Shavuos and of course in the back of my mind, perhaps not as far back as I want it, it's too close to the front, it's all about when I should be eating cheesecake. So we're going to get back to this question about Mimachras HaShabbos and the ambiguity of that phrase. Now, even if you're going to accept Chazal's interpretation of Mimachras HaShabbos as being correct, and of course I know that everybody who's watching this shir and who's listening to this shir agrees that Chazal got it right and that Tzidukim got it wrong. But even if you're going to say that, so I've, I've accepted that We've all accepted Chazal's interpretation as Mimachras HaShabbos being the second day of Pesach. If we look at the psukim in the Torah, we discover that it doesn't appear once. It appears three times. So if you look, the first time it says it is in fact earlier on. In Pesuk Aleph, You wave the Hashem That's the first time it says it. Pesuk Aleph in Perek Gimel. Of Vayikra. Then again, we have it in the posuk I read a moment ago, which is in posuk Tesvav 15, lochem 15, etc. And then it says again, and I read this earlier on, Ad hashabos so you see that the phrase appears three times, and only two of those times can it mean it in the way that Chazal have interpreted it. In other words, the second day of Pesach. Because the last time it can't mean that. Can't mean the first day after the first day of Pesach. It's not the day after the first day of Pesach. It becomes the day after. The day after the last Shabbos, the seventh Shabbos. So why use that phrase again? It doesn't make any sense in that context if you agree with Chazal's interpretation. So the second question is, how are we going to interpret Pasuk Design, verse 16 of chapter 23 of Vayikra, to fit in with Chazal's interpretation of the phrase Mimokra HaShabbos? Okay, now, I'm going to go back. If, you're, if you have a Chumish in front of you, I'm going to go back in Perekhov Gimel to verse number two, Pasuk base. This, by the way, is a very familiar chapter. It's an Emoir. It talks about all the chagim. What does it say? Daber Hashem It's an introduction pasuk. It's a place setter, right? We, you know, sometimes you just need a bit of orientation at the beginning of a chapter. This is what you'd call the orientation posuk of chapter 23 in Vayikra. The first Posuk is Vayidab HaShem al-Moshe That's the introduction. And then you have the orientation. What's this chapter going to be about? This chapter is going to be about when is it that we have Chagim in the Jewish calendar year. Eilehem Moyadoi. And the next phrase after that is, These are the... Um, these are the festivals so now what should we begin with we should begin with festivals what's the next pasuk after that six days you do work and on the seventh day it is the day of Shabbos that's what it's the Appointed time of Shabbos, you're not allowed to do any work. Shabbos he, Lashem, it is the Shabbos of God, Bechol in all your residences, in all your homes. Nice posuk? Lovely. What's it doing in a chapter about festivals? Is Shabbos a festival? No. When is Shabbos? It's the seventh day of the week. Do we need a date for Shabbos? No, you don't need a date for Shabbos, because The week begins for Jews on Sunday and it ends on Shabbos and after six days of the week, in other words, a Friday afternoon as it gets dark, we begin Shabbos because that's the seventh day of the week. Is that a festival? No. So when the Posuk, the orientation Posuk at the beginning of chapter 23 began um, introducing us to the concept that this chapter was going to be about Ma'adim, about festivals, ...times in the Jewish calendar year when we celebrate Jewish festivals... ...did we expect any discussion about Shabbos? No. Why not? We already know about Shabbos. Shabbos is included in the Aserah Sadibris. It's mentioned in other places that the seventh day of the week is Shabbos. So why is it mentioned in this chapter about festivals? So if you look at the next Posuk, Posuk Dalad... Now the puzzle gets even greater. Pasuk Dalad in chapter 23 continues again. These are the appointed festivals of God, the holy days, which you should designate in their appropriate time. It's an almost identical pasuk to Posuk base. We already had the orientation pasuk. So, why do we need it again? And interrupting the orientation posuk number one and orientation posuk number two, we have a posuk about Shabbos, which has got nothing to do with Eilehem Moyadoi Asha Tikru Why do we have this posuk about Shabbos sandwiched between two psukim, which seem identical, that introduce the parsha about the festivals? So, that's the. the next question, why does the Torah begin discussing ma'adim and then interrupt the discussion to mention Shabbos and then recommence the discussion about ma'adim about festivals again? Okay, so now, I don't know how many of you watching this, listening to this are mathematicians. You don't need to be a great mathematician or very, very good at arithmetic to work out the following sum. How many days are there in the week? Seven how many weeks are there in Sviras HaOimer? Seven. What's seven times seven? 49. What do we have at the end of a week? After six days, seventh day, is Shabbos. So now, to reach the point of Korban Oimer, namely Shavuos, we need to have seven times seven. The fiftieth day follows seven sets of seven. The Maharal... By the way, my family are descended from the the Maharal. The Maharal was the great rabbi, the 16th century rabbi in Prague. And he wrote uh, a number of different svarim. First of all, he wrote a parish on Rashi. But he wrote many different svarim. I have a very dear friend in London, Rabbi Yehoshua Hartman, who's written countless svarim, I think well over 30 svarim, in which he gives references and explanations to the Maharal, the many different svarim of the Maharal. The Maharal says as follows, that 50 is like the number 8. Think about it. What comes after 7? 8. What comes after 7 times 7? 50. 50 is a very powerful form of 8. Very pronounced. So you're going to say, okay, that sounds cute. What exactly is its significance? So now... In order to really understand the significance of 50, we have to understand the significance of the number eight. What is the primary example of the number eight in the Torah? Don't all shout out at once. What is the primary example of eight? On the eighth day, every boy has a bris milah, has a circumcision. What is the bris, by the way? Bris, the word bris in Hebrew doesn't mean circumcision. It's not a medical term. What does the word bris mean? It means covenant. On the eighth day, a Jewish boy is introduced into the covenant of God. We are commanded to enter into a covenant with God called the bris milah. The milah is the medium by which we enter into that covenant. Says the Maharal, the collective covenant of the Jewish people with God, The People bris, not the individual bris of the brismila, but the whole nation bris is the bris, the covenant that we entered into with God when we had the revelation at Sinai, the Muhammad Har Sinai. And how did that take place? It took place on the number eight, not the number eight, which comes after seven, but the number eight, which comes after seven times seven, on the number fifty. It's a very pronounced eight. Do you know why? To emphasize the importance of the bond between God and the Jewish people. And we can actually prove it from a Chazal. I'm going to introduce you to a little um, piece, a vignette from the Pasikta. The Pasikta says that Rabbi Yochanan, I'm quoting it here in English. Rabbi Yochanan said to Ullah, Don't see the mitzvah of Svirasa Omer and Omer in general, as something that is minor. Because through the mitzvah of Omer. You listening to this? Through the mitzvah of Omer. Avraham Avinu merited the inheritance of the land of Canaan. Because it says in the posuk. I'm going to read you the posuk in Hebrew. The posuk is in, da- in Perik Zion, Posuk Ches. The posuk says. acharecha. And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your travels. The entire land of Canaan. As an everlasting possession. And I will be to them as their God. Says the Psikta. This is what Rabbi Yochanan said to Ula. The great Rabbi Yochanan. One of the greatest of all the Amarim. I will give you and your descendants after you the land in which you live, but it's on condition that you keep my covenant. Carbon Oymer. At the time of Avram Avinu, we're talking about carbon Oymer? That's the covenant that we're discussing. But this posuk isn't talking about the covenant of the Omer itself, it's talking about Brismila. So, what has Omer got to do with Brismila? Remember that at this point, Avram Avinu takes upon himself that he has to have a Brismila. How is it possible that Brismila has got to do with Carbon Omer? That's what Rabbi Yochanan is telling Ullah. Do you know what he's saying to him? Brismila and the counting of the Omer that leads up to Shavuos are congruent, they are together, they are identical. Because counting down towards Shavuos so that you can commemorate the Ma'amad Har Sinai is the same as Brismila, which is the individual covenant that we have with God. Ma'amad Har Sinai was the collective covenant of the Jewish people with God at the Revelation at Sinai. This psikta gives us a direct reference between Omer and Brismila. The covenant, the covenant, the personal covenant is related to the collective covenant of the Jewish people. Now, why is eight so important? The question that we really need to understand is what is the significance of the number eight? I know that we like to play around with numbers. Jews, the Jewish faith loves numbers. And even in the Gemara, you know, it, uh, it crops up not infrequently that numbers are important. Uh, Gematria is important. So each letter in the Jewish alphabet has a numerical value and every number is significant. And we know that numbers play such an important part. It's at the heart of Jewish tradition. It's at the heart of the Jewish faith. But what is so significant about the number eight? It's so important. Think about this. The number eight is so important that it plays a central role in who we are as Jews. Because on the eighth day you have the bris milah. to the extent, think about this, that if you are born on Shabbos, what is the eighth day for someone who is born on Shabbos? Shabbos, are you allowed to do medical procedures on Shabbos? No, of course not, you're not allowed to do a medical procedure on Shabbos, you have to either do it on Friday or Sunday, because it's a desecration of Shabbos, unless of course It is a life-saving measure, and by no stretch of the imagination could we suggest that a bris mila is a life-saving measure. So how are we allowed to do a bris mila on Shabbos? Because the mitzvah of milah, of covenant, is so important that it actually does away with the prohibitions of Shabbos and you have to do the bris mila on Shabbos. That's how important the number 8 is. At the center, at the core of our faith. So too, Kabbalat HaTorah, Kabbalah HaTorah, accepting the Torah, is so significant that it is associated with the number 8. You know, there's a famous story in Chazal. Don't have the exact citation. The story is of Rabbi Shaya. He was once, he got into an argument with a... Uh, philosopher and in those days we have by the way many discussions about uh, um, or many narratives in the Gemara that involve discussions between the great Talmudic rabbis and Gentile um, philosophers or provocateurs often who were trying to undermine the basis of the Jewish faith and here we have a discussion between Rabbi Shaya and um, and a philosopher. And the, and the philosopher asked him a question as follows. It's a good question. It's not the only time it comes up in the Talmud. Listen to this question. You say that circumcision, that means being circumcised, having the foreskin removed, is extremely important for your faith. So why wasn't the brismila given to Adam Harishayin, the very first man? Why is the first person to have a bris milah in the Torah Abraham Avinu? In other words, if a circumcised human being is what God wants, why didn't he simply create Adam Harishon already circumcised? There's a whole Shila we have. What happens if somebody's born without a foreskin? So we have to do hatofas dam bris. Even then you have to do some form of bris milah. You have to uh, do a little cut so that there is this um, significant covenant entered into by that little boy, even at that early stage. He doesn't have a foreskin. You can't cut something off, but you still have to do something which emphasizes the covenant, the bris between God and that individual Jew. But the question that Rabbi Shaya was being asked is very simple: Why would it be that man wasn't born already circumcised? So Rabbi Shaya, obviously considered this philosopher, as he's referred to in Chazal, as a provocateur. Somebody just wanted to make trouble, to undermine the Jewish faith, and he made fun of him, and they got engaged in banter. And eventually, the philosopher said to him, really, Rabbi Shai, you're much more intelligent than this, and I know that you think I'm just trying to make fun of you, but is this what our conversation is being reduced to, that we're just playing games with each other? So Rabbi Shai realized that he couldn't leave the philosopher who was engaged in this debate with him without a cogent, sensible answer. So he told him as follows, everything that was created in creation needs asio. What's asio? You need to do something. For example, the mustard seed needs to be sweetened, termus, Needs sweetening. Wheat needs to be ground so it can be made into flour, so it can come, become bread. What do we say? Amoitzi lechem min ha'oretz. Do we eat lechem in ha'oretz? No. There is a process that turns the wheat into bread. That process is, says Rebbe Isaiah, asiyah. And even, he said, a person needs tikkun. A person is not complete when he is created. He needs a form of asiyah that is going to turn him into something which is greater than that which was originally created. Even creation needs our input. And this medrash is the primary source for one of the most profound underlying concepts of man's relationship with God. Six days of creation didn't create a perfect world. And boy, don't we know it. The world outside there isn't perfect. There's no perfection. Everything on this world needs work. It needs a seer. It needs tikkun. It needs correction. And we do not have a plant that produces freshly sliced loaves of bread that are hanging on the tree. So too man. The physical form of a human was not created perfect. It was created still requiring circumcision. By the way, not just circumcision. Circumcision is the first sign that we're not perfect but we all know the food that you eat is what keeps you going if we were perfect we wouldn't need to eat and when you exercise you keep yourself healthy and if something goes wrong you need to go to a doctor the the torah says rapoi yerape you must go to a doctor there are certain religions that say you're not allowed to go to a doctor why because we're perfect in the way that god created us and if god wants us to be sick we should be sick that's not what the Torah says. It says, you must go to a doctor. In fact, I saw they sent out, uh, one of the Chabad Shluchim sent it to me, letters of the Lubavitcher Rebbe um, over the many years that he was approached by his Hasidim. There's a bunch of letters there from sick Lubavitch Hasidim from all over the world. And they write to him about the fact that they're going to doctors and either they're saying they're not happy with what the doctors telling them and they'd like to do things in a particular way and they want his blessing. Or they're saying that they're extremely concerned about their health, even though uh, the doctor has told them that they're going to get better, but they don't believe it. Or the doctors t- t- told them that they're going to die and they don't want to believe it. And they want a bracha. All different things involving doctors and medical advice. And the Lubavitcher Rebbe answers them all basically in the same way. Hashem made the doctors his shaluchim. Like you're my sheliach. The doctor is Hashem's shaliach, And if the doctor tells you to do something, he is an agent of God. He's basing himself on medical knowledge that God has given to the world. And therefore, don't try and second guess medical knowledge. By the way, the reason why I was sent this in recent weeks is because there are those who are trying to second guess uh, the advice from authorities with regard to social distancing, don't try and second-guess medical knowledge. Because Rappo the world isn't perfect. God did not create the world perfect and he did that deliberately. Man's relationship with God requires our own input, our own intelligence, our own calculations. And by the way, our own mistakes. That is crucial to the plan that God has for the Jewish people. Asiyah, Tikkun, and the very first sign of that is the bris milah, the circumcision that we have on the 8th day after we are born. And in fact that's exactly how God wants it to be. Because through the Asiyah, through the Tikkun, through these actions that we take, we bring ourselves closer to Hashem God gives us, as it were, raw produce, raw products. We perfect them. Brismila teaches us that we, ourselves, spiritually, need tikkun. Now, when does this tikkun take place? It takes place on the eighth day after a person is born, after their creation. So they are created on whatever day they are created. And a full week passes... And then on the eighth day, they have the bris mila. The medrash teaches us something else as well, this medrash. It teaches us that the six days of creation represent God's active input into the physical universe. Then, after God completed creating up until the last stage of Asiyah and Tikkun, He stopped and for one day there was no creation. Nothing that was in the previous six days happened on Shabbos. Nothing was created by God on the seventh day. As we say, on the seventh day, God rested. What's the the name that we have for the seventh day of the week? Shabbos. What does Shabbos mean? To rest. God rested from creation. The eighth day is the day that we realize that without our input, the world is incomplete creation is incomplete you have the sixth the seventh and now the eighth is the day when the penny drops about our requirement to do something in the world shabbos has to come before eight you can't have eight on shabbos because you can only realize that you need to do something if there's been a point that when you didn't do something six days It's a frenzy of activity. Seventh day, nothing happens. When that seventh day is over, then the work has to begin. Eight is the number that represents our input into God's creation, the Asiyah and the Tikkun that God wants from us so that we are fulfilling our covenant and establishing our relationship with God. Now, what is Korban Oimer a Tikkun for? Let us look at the second psikta. This is an absolutely gorgeous Chazal. I'm not sure that that adjective is very often used about Chazal, but I'll use it. Gorgeous. You heard that? You can say you heard from Rabbi Pini Dunah. He described a Chazal as gorgeous. God says to the Bnei Yisrael, his children, when I gave you the Omer, I gave it to every one of you. As it says, the posuk in Shemoi says, it's in Perik Tez pasuk posuk Tez Zayin, zei Hashem Hashem, liktu mimenu ish lefi ochloi. Omer lagugoyles, mispar nafshay seichem, ish la'asher ba-holoi tikochu. This is the thing that God has commanded, gather from it for every man to what he eats. an Omer per person, this is by the way, talking about the mon, that's the first time it was mentioned According to the number of your people Everyone according to whoever Is in his tent Shall you take The Omer is specific for every single per- person Omer la goyles Now that you give the Omer I only get one Omer From all of you I only need one Omer Says Hashem There are only three uses of the word Omer In Tanakh Only two are relevant to us Carbon Omer, which we started this discussion with. And Mon. What is Omer Lagugoyles? What does it mean? It is Mon. Omer Lagugoyles is another description of the word Mon. Mon was manna. It was the magical food that fed the Jewish nation in their 40 years in the wilderness. This psikta is unbelievable. I told you, it's a gorgeous chazal. What is the defining feature of Mon? Remember? It only falls, it only appeared Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What happened on Shabbos? How did we eat on Shabbos? We had two omers on Friday. By the way, why do we have two Chalas on Friday night? To commemorate the two months that we got on Friday. to remind us that on Shabbos we didn't have an Omer. It couldn't collect the Omer. Why? Because you got two on Friday, and on Shabbos there was none. It only falls on the six days, double on Friday for Shabbos. And it comes directly from God. I want to look at Yahushua, Joshua chapter 5. Who is Joshua, by the way? He was the successor of Moshe Rabbeinu. He actually took the Jewish people into the Promised Land. Chapter five, it's all gonna to come together. The first thing we see in this chapter is the instruction for bris milah. Look it up, I'm not going to go through it in detail. Look up chapter five of Joshua, of Yehoshua. They did a bris milah. Why? They hadn't done the bris milah throughout their time in the wilderness, and now they did a bris milah. The D'or hamidbar needed, the wilderness generation needed to circumcise themselves. The second part of the chapter is that the mon stopped and was replaced by local produce suddenly they had to become agrarian agriculturalists farmers they needed to grow their produce and they're no longer getting mon now they're getting food from the ground they're growing their produce and they have to eat it when did this take place so if you look at at possegud aleph and possegud base in chapter hey of yahushua the word listen you're going to love this. Mimacharas ha Recognize that word? Mimacharas ha On the second day of Pesach. What happened then? They no longer ate mon. They began eating the produce of the land. They never had man again. And what happened 50 days later? For the very first time in Jewish history, they brought the carbon Oymer. Remember what the Psikta said? God says to Israel, his children, when I gave you the Omer, I gave it to every one of you. As it says, and he quotes the Posuk in Shemois. Omer lagul goiles. Now that you give the Omer, I only get one Omer from you. You hear what's going on? The Omer is somehow a representation of this covenant between God and the Jewish people. Brismila is the original number eight. The eighth day of a person's life is their bris milah day, their bris day, their covenant day. It is the tikkun for the human body that came from God. Mon, Omer Lagul Goyles, also came from God. Six weekdays, Shabbos was a mon-free day. Mon, which is God's creation, as it were, like the sheishes Yemei bereishis, is only on six days it is also seven because on the seventh day you didn't get it korban omer which only begins once the mon finished the last day of mon the day that they did their bris milah 50 days later they brought the first ever korban omer that's a representation of number eight omer and bris milah are both the number eight it is Mimachras HaShabbos, Mimachras ha that's where we have this very phrase that was missing in the Torah. You find it in Yehoshua chapter 5. And this entire concept is in a chapter in Yehoshua that combines the concepts of Brismila with the launch of the carbon Omer. So Mimachras ha Mimachras it's not a phrase, it's not a random phrase to be interpreted by Tzedukim. It's a religious concept. Mimachras Hashabos is a religious concept. You hearing this? It's not telling you the day of the week, it's giving you a religious idea, And a, a religious ideal. Mimachras Hashabos, the day after the seven, the eight. The time after the seven, the eight, the fiftieth day after Sfirah Sa'omer, is Mimachras HaShabbos. It's not a Sunday. It's not talking about Sunday. Don't forget the Torah, even though it uses words that we're familiar with, normal words that people use in conversation, is conveying the highest and holiest concepts of God. Mimachras HaShabbos may sound like it's talking about Sunday, but it's not talking about Sunday. It's talking about a religious concept. Mimachras HaShabbos is when our input into God's world is required. Brismila Day. That's the purpose of our creation. First we need seven, which includes the six of creation, and the seventh, which is the acknowledgement of God, the Shabbos Day. And then we have Mimochras HaShabbos, or eight where we become involved through Asiyah, through Tikkun, through doing stuff. So what is the first mitzvah that we received as the Jewish people? The commandment to take control of our time by declaring months so that we can determine the date of each festival. If Sanhedrin declared Rosh Chodesh on the wrong day, then the festival begins on the wrong day because it becomes the right day. Mekadesh Yisrael Vahazmanim. Doesn't say mekadesh Hazmanim because God is Nebarach Makadesh Hazmanim. God didn't sanctify the times. We sanctify the times. Makadesh Yisrael. The nation of Israel, who are then mekadesh the Zmanim. When it comes to Shabbos, what do we say? Makadesh HaShabbos. We don't say Makadesh Yisrael the Hashabbos. We say Makadesh Hashabbos. Why? Because we don't determine when Shabbos is. Shabbos determines when Shabbos is. But the Yomim Tovim? The festivals that we determine. We decide when festivals are. There's a famous story, not a pleasant story, about Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yehoshua. They both arrived at different dates for Rosh Chodesh Tishri, and Rabban Gamliel instructed Rabbi Yehoshua to come and visit him on his Yom Kippur, carrying his purse and his stick, so as to demonstrate. That even though he may have been more correct in his determination of where Yom Kippur is, he must follow the ruling of Sanhedrin. He must follow the ruling of Rabban Gamliel as to where Yom Kippur is. Pesach is like Shabbos. The festival of Pesach is like Shabbos. It commemorates the formation of the Jewish people. The long lead up to Pesach is the the creative process. Shabbos Pesach is like Shabbos in that the Jewish nation was created. By the way, at that stage, we're totally passive. Did we do anything in order to um, facilitate our liberation, our exodus from Egypt? Nothing. Everything was determined by God. In fact, the, the fact that we bought the Korban Pesach, even that was a great danger. But it's only because we did that that God passed over our houses. The miracle that occurred. But it was God. It wasn't the Jewish nation. Shavuos is the opposite. Shavuos is the time when we take control of our destiny. We accept the Torah. We say, We shall do And we'll look for the details later. So between Shabbos of Pesach and Shavuos of our and Tikkun. What do we have? We have a super week. We have 7 times 7. 49. To convey this idea. That the ultimate responsibility. The ultimate purpose. Of the Jewish nation. Not of the individual human being. But of the Jewish nation. Is that we are a nation of Naasev and nishma. We are a nation of taking... Um, our lives in hand and doing the things that we have to do to improve ourselves so that we become greater than the sum of our parts that we are the ultimate example of this brismila of the number 8 shavuos is the number 8 now names nomenclature very very important in jewish tradition what is the name the torah gives to to uh, to pesach It's not called Pesach in the Torah. It's called Chag HaMatzos. This refers to, as we discussed on Seder night, the hasty departure of the Jewish nation from Egypt, which resulted in unleavened bread. Why is this so important? What's so important about Matzah? We discussed it a lot over Pesach. Why is Matzah such a central theme of Pesach? Because it is the ultimate proof that the formation of the Jewish people happened because God wanted it to happen. We weren't in control of the timetable. We were passive participants in events outside of our control. Matzahs. We didn't want to eat matzahs. We wanted to eat bread, but we ate matzah because we weren't in control of the time. Shavuos. What's Shavuos called in the Torah? Anyone know what Shavuos is called? Atzeres. Atzeres. Interestingly, by the way, Sukkus is compared to Pesach... And it has seven days. What's the day that comes after? We mentioned this right at the beginning. I just slipped it in there. What's the day after Sukkot called? Shemini, eight, Atseres. because it's also number eight, and it's a kind of mini Pesach Shavuos Sukkot is the Pesach and then Shmini Atzeres. We have one more festival day right at the end of the festival calendar called Shmini Atzeres. But perhaps it should have been called Chag HaChomet. Why should it have been called Chag HaChomet? The Carbon Omer was very unique. It was the only carbon that was ever, ever brought in the Pesach Mikdosh, which was actually Chometz. Shtei halechem, Right? It was bread. It was Chometz bread that was brought in the base HaMikdosh. What does Chometz represent? It's the opposite of Matzah. What is Matzah? I'm not in control. What is Chometz? Bread? I am in control. I'm making this bread and it takes me time and it's going to turn out just the way I want it to turn out. We are in control. It's eight. Bread. We took wheat, we ground it into flour, we turned it into dough, we put yeast in it, we stuck it in an oven, we brought it out the oven. It's asiyah, it's tikkun, it's eight, it's mimochar as hashabos. Shavuos is when we take things in hand. The Torah is no longer in heaven. And the, the balance depends on Shabbos. The question is, why do we need Shabbos before we can begin Tikkun? Why do we need this period, this moment of Shabbos? And the idea is that there is a balance. We must never forget that the Tikkun we do is only because of Shabbos. We have to acknowledge, we have to have a moment of reflection to think about God's creation so that we can become the eights the Tikkuns, the Asias, the nasevenishmas, the milos. Afterwards, only on that basis can we step in and start with Tikkun. Only, Mimachras HaShabbos. It's a religious concept. So we've got answer to all the questions I asked. Why would we use the phrase Mimachras HaShabbos? The answer is that the phrase Mimachras HaShabbos is deliberately used. Even though it doesn't mean Sunday. It is used to convey the concept of us taking charge of God's creation but only after the passing of Shabbos, which is the recognition of God's input. This is the concept of Shavuos being eight. And while Pesach is Shabbos, we start the countdown. The first day of Pesach is Shabbos. We start the countdown to Mimachras Shabbos, so that we can only be ready on the 50th day, the super eight day, to take control from Matzah to Chometz. And then the Korban Omer is Chometz. And how does Vayikra 23.16 23.16 where it says Mimachras Hashabbas Hashavias. how does that fit into this discussion with Mimachras HaShabbos? The answer is that the, the Mimachras HaShabbos HaShaviyas in Pasuk Tezayin of chapter Chof Gimel and Vayikra is not talking about Sunday but about the concept of Mimachras Hashabbas that I've discussed in some detail. And finally question number three that I asked was why in Vayikra does the Torah begin discussing mo'adim and then interrupt that discussion and mention Shabbos? It says, Ele And then it says, yomim, And talks about Shabbos? Why talk about Shabbos? We can understand that very well. Because Shabbos has to come after the initial mention of the mo'adim. Why? First the Possek tells us that there is a concept of festivals, of mo'adim of special times, where we take control of the time. Then the pasuk tells us in pasuk number three that before we can do anything, we must hear about Shabbos, about six days, followed by Shabbos, which is a day of reflection, as the basis of everything before any tikkun can take place. Then, mi shabbos we start enumerating the Ma'adim on the day after, or the moment after the posuk talks about Shabbos, then we begin with a new introduction. Then we can understand what the Moadim are about. Only once we recognise that it is Hashem's world can we truly take control of time. Thank you.